Sometimes I'm a little bit. Sometimes I'm a little bit stumped over like what to enter with because you know I feel like if I'm doing a new type of introduction every time I'm gonna run out of ideas very quickly. So I wonder what will happen first. Either we run out of the podcast or I run out of ideas. But either way, it is good to be back. And I'm Zane. And I'm Amrik, and it's fantastic to be back, just like you said. <laughs> well, it's been a, it's been a bit of an eventful week, hasn't it? I mean, in the last week, we've had uh, a Nintendo Direct just come out of the blue, and that has become the basis of our shows. Our tweets have been on point and on fire, if I may say so myself. And it's, it was so weird to get that out of nowhere, I've got to say. But it really was. Yeah. And so, luckily for you guys... That is going to be the main substance of our show today. So I'm sure to all the people who are gaming fans who listen to us for our gaming content, you'll be very happy, unless you don't care about Nintendo, in which case you'll probably be neutral. Whereas whereas the people who listen to us for our like super on-point film reviews, we're sorry, we will cater to you guys soon, I promise. <laughs> yeah, we've had like three weeks of like solid uh, gaming episodes, haven't we? Which is quite which is a bit of a first for us, but... It's- if anyone, if if it's anyone's at fault, it's Nintendo for coming up with a director out of nowhere. Let's be honest. For blindsiding us, yeah. exactly. You know, wh- one thing I do notice though is like even for example, when we're doing the news, like our our show is very much weighted towards gaming. Oh yeah, definitely. In, in general, so like even even the news, the the news that when we do it is all just gaming news, isn't it? We're not we're never doing like film studio news, which I feel like if we did, the news would just go on for too long as a problem. <laughs> Yeah, true. I mean, I'm looking at the news now, and like several of the items are like basically news related, uh, game related. <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, do you wanna? Should we? Should we get cracking with the news as well? Yeah, let's get into it. So first up, Sorry. we have a potential Silent Hill reboot. Reboot. Um, Konami <laughs> uh, outsourcing their IPs. What have you got to say about this? So. Uh, Kind of like in a contradiction to what we said a couple of weeks ago, and having in mind this theme will be brought up a fair amount today, contradiction to what we said a couple of weeks ago. Um, the Konami IPs apparently, and this is from Game Informer, apparently Konami have been outsourcing their IPs to other game studios for potential games in the Metal Gear series and the Silent Hill series. Um, I don't think they mentioned Castlevania, but... It would be interesting to see if that makes a comeback. I mean, look, it's Konami. They have, like... I mean, they're, they're one of the oldest games companies by a fair amount. So, to be fair, they have a lot to offer. Um, I'm not surprised it's outsourcing. I, I mean, you know, a lot, most, a lot of companies do that anyway. Even Nintendo do that for their first-party games. But it'll be interesting to see if there is any substance behind this. I just... I, I mostly feel for the Silent Hill fans, it'll be good to see it come back in any kind of form. Um... 
Well, what do you what do you think? Do you think uh, it's actually going to happen, or is he just rumors that are there to, to tickle us and cock tease us again? Um, I mean, again, it could be interesting. It, I mean, it really depends on who they're outsourcing the um, the game, the IP to. It really, I mean, it could just totally just go down the shit if it's handled badly by um, whatever studio takes it. So it could get either mm. way, couldn't it? That's absolutely true. the The interesting thing is with. Uh, Konami is that their IPs like they've got so many legacy titles it's weird to me that they don't invest more in them like I don't understand why they they kind of like turn their back on their games manufacturing but I don't know I guess I guess at some point somewhere somebody looked on the chart and was like this isn't profitable enough so we're not going to do it anymore which is the sad reality of life, I guess. I mean, I'd, I'd love to sit in and see how their board meetings go about where they discuss, like, the next ventures. I'd really love to be, like, a fly on the wall for that one. See what's go- Just see what goes down. See what their, kind of, like, method of thought is. Absolutely. Well, we did talk a lot about Konami a few weeks ago when it came to the IPs, but let's hope there is a little bit of substance to this. Um... In our second piece of news, uh, in fact, we do actually have movie news this time, so we're not 100% weighted towards gaming. I mean, uh, it's about the game. Trailers, that is also true. But the second one isn't, so, you know, we're, we're covered on that front. Um, the trailer for the new Mortal Kombat movie came out today, and it looks fucking nuts and crazy, and the the fatalities look like they're going to be true to the to the games, and, you know, it's going to be gory as hell. Uh, Sub-Zero, Sub-Zero's in it, and he's like... Uh, obviously, Sub-Zero's in it, but like he's like the beginning it, and he's he's made, basically made like a man cave man, made out of ice. Um, and... Yeah, you're seeing all your favorites from the original game, I believe is what it's going to be based on. So uh, in the original game, it's uh, for people who aren't familiar with the plot of like the very first Mortal Kombat game. Uh, basically, a wizard, I think his name, I think he's a wizard anyway, Shang, Shang Tsung, Shang Tsung <laughs> um, hosts a, a, a tournament called Mortal Kombat in a, a diff- on like an island to basically determined uh, the fate of the worlds. Um, I don't want to go too much into Mortal Kombat lore here, but basically it's really crazy, and um, it'll be interesting to see how how true to the games the the film is. But honestly, I, I think it looks really cool. What do you think? So you, you watched it, right? So, yeah, I looked, in, look, I looked into the trailer for pretty much just for this episode. Um, mm. It was so brutal. It was so incredible. Like, the, effect, <laughs> the effects were incredible. I've got to say, they were super creative with the characters mm. and their actions, and oh my god, like Sub-Zero's movement, Sub-Zero attacking, just Sub-Zero, just... There's a moment in the trailer <laughs> where he freezes someone, slits their throat, freezes the blood in mid-air, then stabs them with it. Yeah, it's very true to the game, that kind of thing. Like, <laughs> that was incredible to see, god damn it. And I've actually just been reading up about the um, trailer a little bit. So it's like mm. a battle for the universe, which I found a little bit odd. But basically, so you have a group of people... That pe- is kind of... So gr- that is basically the thing of the first game. That is the plot of the first yeah. game, basically. But, yeah, so you've yeah. got a group of people with, like, the birthmarks off the kind of Mortal Kombat symbol. And mm. a bunch of them are being trained by one group, and the other group is has Sub-Zero, and they're kind of facing off against each other. That'll be super interesting to see, I think. I'd love to see how... I'm going to love to see how this one turns out. 
we can do a review of it when it does come out. <laughs> yeah, because I think it's coming out on HBO Max, if I am correct, if I remember incorrectly. Yes, so um, uh, Neverrealm, uh, Neverrealm? Midway were the people who created the original Mortal Kombat. They went bankrupt in the mid-2000s and were bought over by Warner Brothers, who then opened uh, the studio Neverrealm Studio, which is obviously like specifically for the Mortal Kombat and uh, Injustice games. So Warner Brothers owns the right to the IP, basically. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's HBO Max. Oh, it'll be interesting. I mean, it's a shame we couldn't see something like that in the cinema because I think it would be fantastic to see it on the big screen, all the effects maybe even mm. if it got like an IMAX release that'd be perfect for it uh, but hey I'd, I'd love we'll see how it I goes would, I would love to see the fatalities like given justice because I remember the last the last time they did Mortal Kombat films in live live action back in the 90s obviously the effects weren't as good as we can have nowadays when it comes to like the raw brutality of the fatalities um, in the games what was great right is in the games like you'll have people um, getting stabbed in their face and that you'll see like an icicle for example of Sub-Zero it'll go and all the way through their face and puncture their brain clearly they'll be dead and then they'll just get up and carry on fighting so I, I, I would love to see like an adaption of that in, in the movie too where it's like oh no he just got his he just got decapitated and now his head's back on and now he's throwing a punch <laughs> I mean like it really reminds you of like the dog tournament from um, Yu Yu Hakusho you you hack a show, <laughs> yeah. That that kind of you know what it is very much along those lines. In fact, so the dark tournament are they competing for the fate of the world? Like, are they representing Earth to protect Earth? Basically, I isn't think it? like whoever wins gets a wish, don't they? I can't remember. Um, with so with Mortal Kombat, the idea is that the Never Realm um, wanted to. Sorry, the Outworld want to take over Earth, and whoever is the victor of nine Mortal Kombats in a row gets to take over the other realm. So, uh, in the setting of the first game, the Outworld have won eight Mortal Kombats in a row already, and the and the Earth basically they they have their last chance in order to defend themselves from being taken over by like this world of monsters. And um, the, and then uh, yeah, that's basically how the games go. Is that they uh, have Liu Kang who who wins Mortal Kombat, yeah. stopping Outworld from taking over. It's really, you know, you get none of this from the games. By the way, like you don't get any of the story from the games. You get all the flavor text from everything surrounding the games. The games don't have a story mode, obviously, because mm-hmm. they're from the Super Nintendo generation. Yeah. But man, I I would love to see where they go if they start like a a new franchise of Mortal Kombat films and. As I said, I love I love the fatalities. It'd be great to see what kind of crazy shit they can pull off in the cinema. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely one to watch, I think. The, mm. the, like the feel-good like, the... movie of the summer, without a doubt. <laughs> Take your kids. <laughs> it's like, don't try this at home. It's like kids kids practicing fatalities on each other in the playground. It's like, a, I learned this in the cinema, so I went and, like, curb stomped another person. and was like, okay, now it's your turn. Get up. And they just don't get up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that's awful. I think it's a good moment to segue to the next piece of news. <laughs> <laughs> um, so do, do, this, this one, like, I feel tickled you a little bit more. So do, do you want to take the lead on this? Yeah, so it's pretty weird. Um, so Disney are putting out a Cruella Deville movie. 
Um, yes. It's extremely hard for me to say because I can't see my arse properly. Um, so they're making a Cruella <laughs> Deville movie. Um, it's starring Emma Stone as their main character. Um, mm-hmm. I just feel like it's just something that's come out of nowhere and it's something that no one really actually needs. I mean, like, <laughs> fair enough, they've had they've had a lot of success with the um, Maleficent movies. Um, but when you've got a character... Like, I mean, like, they were, they were, well? they were like, fairly well-received, yeah. And, like, when you've got a main character whose, like, only goal is to skin puppies, you can't really, like... <laughs> you can't really paint her in any good picture, to be honest, can you? You can't really, like... You can't really, like, girl boss your one way out of that one, I don't think. And I just feel like Disney really could have just, like, chose a better, like, antagonist to make a movie about. Yeah, I don't see the fuss of, like, why you'd want to make films about antagonists. It just kind of, for me, it just emphasizes that they've kind of run mm. out of ideas when it comes to the, like, the fact that Cruella de Vil on her own doesn't, she, she doesn't really deserve a movie, if you know what I mean, mm. considering her role in the 101 Dalmatian films, she's just there to be, like, the antagonist, there to be evil. She doesn't actually, she she's representative of, like, a really bad industry. Yeah. And it's it's like she's just there to be an antagonist there was no depth to her and i appreciate that similar to maleficent like she's just she was just there in sleeping beauty as a antagonist and not much more but, but that's but you that's know, the thing you can kind of explore that fantasy world and that fantasy kind of villain a little bit better whereas cruella is like rooted in reality exactly. where there actually are people yeah there actually are people like that who fucking skin who who are who, who like go around wanting to skin everything so that they can wear it you know it's a it's a much darker twist on the concept than some maleficent who obviously isn't a real you know, there are no witches from what I understand. Yeah. I mean, like, like, so, like yeah. it's exactly like you said, with Maleficent, you can you can explore the backstory, the lore, um, her upbringing, mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff, and see why the way she actually is. With her, it just kind of yeah. comes across, as many people have actually pointed out, kind of Joker-esque, like, kind of movie. <laughs> and, and, like, honestly, like, if they wanted to go kind of like a Maleficent kind of role for some of the antagonists, I mean... Someone like Ursula from the um, Little Mermaid series would have been better suited to that kind of thing. I mean, mm. I, th- I thought like, if they wanted to do one kind of more comedy one, I thought like Yisma from The Emperor's New Groove, that would have been hilarious. I mean, like even I would, I would love even like that even like Iago from like Aladdin would have been a better choice. I think just like have Gilbert Godfrey just like reprise his role, that would have been fantastic. Yeah, but to be fair, Iago did have that movie. Um, Iago had Return of Jafar, and then he became a good guy, do you remember? Unless you did you not watch Return of Jafar? I did, but I'm thinking, like, Iago just gets his own movie. About how he met Jafar. Yeah, that's true. We could have, like, a, an origin story for Iago. I don't think anyone would watch that. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> Wait, if, was there an Iago in the, in the live-action Aladdin? He has a bird, but it doesn't speak. Which I think was what like... What the fuck's the point? Exactly. What's the point? Why would you have the Gilbert Gottfried's bird and not actually make him voiced by Gilbert Gottfried? That doesn't make any sense. It's like why the new Mulan was worse because there was no there was no talking Eddie Murphy dragon. It's like, guys, the talking animal sidekick is a, is a trope as old as time, but it's a successful one. Exactly. <laughs> it is something which should not be left behind. For, for many movies, it's the absolute... Str- it's like their one absolute strength. I mean, look at Mulan... <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just something that works. Um, it just works. I mean, Gilbert Gottfried voice anything's just fucking hilarious. Only let's be honest. Yeah, 
It is, and you know, I don't know. I just don't see why you would leave him behind. I mean, you brought back every other character. Why not fucking Gilbert Gottfried? Anyway, the uh, back to Cruella. I I understand what you're saying. Like, it doesn't really. It's not a movie I think anybody was asking for. If I'm being honest, I'll be interesting to see what they do. I like Emma Stone as like. Actor, it would be interesting to see what she does with it. it she is playing it very Joker esque, as you said, um, where it's kind of like going with the crazy angle as opposed to like more of the wicked and mean yeah. spirited yeah. angle. Yeah. Um, it's funny you mentioned Joker though, because when I first saw the trailer, I did think it was, um, I, I did, it did look like to me like a sequel to fucking Birds of Prey or something, the way she was dressed and, and the weird amount of action. Like, there were bits where she's, like, jumping out of a window and onto, um, I swear, it's like a garbage truck or something. Yeah, there's a bit and where like, she's, like, driving through a so, building. It's very strange. I was just like, why is this so action-oriented for a for a lady who is only famous for killing animals and wearing their skin? Uh, I mean, it is a bit of a strange one. I, I, I would love, as you said, I would love if they did someone like Yzma, but um, one, I don't think anyone outside of our as I said to you earlier I don't think anyone outside of our age range um, gives a shit about the Emperor's new groove from what I understand I mean that's a a travesty Um, in itself that's a fantastic movie that's a really good movie but I feel like it's only our generation specifically who like that film and that like anyone younger don't care about it and anyone older was like I don't like this it's not a classic I mean that's a a very good I used to love that shit that's a very good point because like I actually didn't see it until I went to university and my flatmates got me to see it and god by god that changed my life (laughs) I love that film but at the same time the lady who voiced Yzma she was the original Catwoman by the way in the 1960s Batman I forget the amazing I forget she um, but she passed away like in the late twenty tens, uh, late two uh, thousands, if I'm not mistaken, early yeah, twenty tens. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, they right. wouldn't be able to do it with her. Mm. But yeah, I guess uh, now would be a good time to move on to the next one. So um, do you take it away? So the next one. So apparently Tim Burton has been put in place to direct a Wednesday Adams series for Netflix based off the Adams family, huh. which is. Quite an interesting one. Um, I've not seen any yeah. news about what they've kind of done for in terms of casting. Seems like it's very early right. days, but it could be one to watch. I think. Um, is it going to be an adult Wednesday, as in like Christina Ricci, or is it is it like still as, as a child? I'm thinking she's going to be. From what I've read, it sounds like she's going to be still in school and kind of just like trying to balance okay. her life, basically. Um, in some of the, like the premise form of some of the episodes, she she basically like solves a murder case, and it sounds very strange. I'm not entirely sure what kind of direction they're trying to go with this, so it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. I think. So, do you know if uh, Tim Burton recorded the original as well, as well? Like, did he did he do the '90s films? I mean, it definitely has Tim Burton vibes, but apparently, it was actually um, directed by someone by the name of Barry Sonnenfield. Oh, that's um, what that is. yeah. So he he did the Adams Family in nineteen ninety one, and then the Adams Family Values in nineteen ninety three, as well as the yeah. Men in Black trilogy, which is like something I did not know either. Huh. Actually, that's a very strange combination. That is a very strange combination. I didn't I didn't know that at all. I, I, to be fair, I'm not great when it comes to like the directors, people behind the scenes when it comes to movies. I'm good with actors. Neither am I. But I've but... never been amazing with them yeah I mean like apparently he's worked with the Coen brothers like like I said he's done the both Adam's Funny movies which I loved as a child as well as the first Men black movie which is fantastic so he's got yeah, he's got yeah. a decent track record which went down the hill I think <laughs> he 
it just kind of got forgotten in the 90s. Yeah. Unless he died and we just have no idea and we're just like making really just, badly, yeah, just in, in really poor taste. Yeah. No, he's still alive. <laughs> was like, cool. He's still alive. Okay, According good, because that, that would have been really poor taste. We were like, huh, what has he done since the 90s? Because he died in, he died in 1997, you bastards. And like his wife just happened to be one of our listeners, and then and, and we're just we're just shitting on her dead husband, who's oh, as it turns out she's alive. To be, um, he's <laughs> actually been the directed the series of unfortunate events on Netflix as well. Oh okay, so one. that was pretty recent, right? Yeah, yeah, that wasn't great, was it? I have I'm no mistaken. idea. I, I never read the books. I, I only watched the first movie. Yeah, so I didn't read the book. I didn't read the books either, and. Um, that I watched like the first episode of that Netflix or first couple of episodes of that Netflix film, uh, TV show but I just could not get into it really yeah I know loads of people are really hyped for it but that seems to have died out quite quickly hmm um and then yeah the final final bit of news for this week uh Marvel have regained the rights to the live action version of the Punisher and Jessica Jones so um, I think on Twitter, a lot of people are expecting for Marvel to like fold them into the MCU at some point. People are suggesting maybe Jessica Jones could turn up in She-Hulk. Um, there, I mean, the Punisher. Punisher is such a like prominent character; mm. he could basically show up anywhere, couldn't he? Yeah, you certainly could fit him in most most um, MCU series, to be honest, because he fits in well mm-hmm. with many, and he's done many comic book appearances across like various other characters as well. So he'd fit in quite nicely among the team, I think. It'll be interesting to see what yeah, they do with I, these characters. I mean, like you said, I think Jessica Jones on She-Hulk was probably mm-hmm. a safe bet to think going forward, really. What? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest. I mean, look, they have a, they have like a, a reasonable following now because of the Netflix shows. <laughs> there are There is interest in the characters, and I think people either want to see a continuation of what happened in the Netflix shows, or, I guess... I mean, I... I now associate like um, Christian Ritter and and John Bernthal as those two characters though like I can't really picture anyone because they do really good jobs as both of them um, I don't know if you watch the Netflix shows but like The Punisher was really fucking good with John Bernthal and even and, and yeah Jessica Jones both really good and well cast yeah def- so it'd be definitely. hard for me to kind of they, they fit the bill fantastically I mean I would yeah. love it if um, Netflix um, Disney just kind of picked it up for a season I think it would work really well um, there was a whole thing of like Charlie Cox coming back as Daredevil in the new Spider-Man so I do wonder if that's actually going to happen I don't remember if that was officially confirmed but like if that is the case then I wouldn't be surprised if then these two also come back as um, as the, themselves basically as those two characters it'd be interesting I mean I would not complain with that I'd be that'd be something I'd be totally happy to see yeah absolutely it'd be it'd be really cool and the shows were sort of based in the MCU to begin with I mean they talk about like the New York incident and stuff like mm-hmm. that so I wouldn't be surprised if they just kind of folded it in and they said, okay, now it's on Disney Plus and we're carrying on from before. So the whole reason Netflix cancelled those shows in the first place um, was basically because they lost the rights, uh, because the rights were going back to Disney. So they were like, well, what's the point of making any more of these shows? Whereas if Disney fund them, I wouldn't be surprised if they started doing really well again. I mean, look at WandaVision. Like, it's doing so well. And, you know, we're going to we're gonna touch on WandaVision um, once it's finally over so we can do a review of the series as a whole. But it's been fantastic so far. And I think the traction that's got, it wouldn't be surprising if they, they went ahead and 
like carried on with more of these live action Marvel series. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, WandaVision has been a fantastic stepping stone, stepping off stone for um, the kind of like Disney setting up their own series, and it'll be interesting to see mm. where they go from there. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, cool. Well, that is the news for this week, ladies and gentlemen, and I guess we can get on to the main topic, which is, funnily enough, just more news. <laughs> when you really boil down to it, that's kind of what a Nintendo Direct is, isn't it? It's basically just news about what's going to happen on Nintendo, what's going to be released. <laughs> yeah, so this one came out of nowhere, just announced the day before, and basically showcasing the games we have Basically, looking basically going to get in the first half of this year. So yeah, so let's discuss the um the the prelude to the direct actually being re- announced and then released, right? So, up until a couple of days ago, we had assumed that Nintendo directs were dead, yeah. and that they were basically only doing like these mini directs mm-hmm. that we've been getting over the last year, where um every sort of like property has been having its own dedicated directs whenever it's a major one mm. so for example we got the Mario 35 direct we had like uh, the I think Pokemon the Paper Mario we've direct we've had the Mario direct yeah. we've had Animal Crossing themed directs so yeah we thought we were going to kind exactly. of be going down on that road for the foreseeable that's exactly future. it and the thing is it's been a successful framework for the last year because to be fair when you finish those directs I think I touched on this last time but when you finish those directs you feel like you you've had enough time with it if you know what I mean because yeah. when it comes to this format you get like snippets here snippets there snippets here snippets there of like little things but the things you are interested in sometimes you want a little bit more and you don't really get that because they need to move on to the next topic whereas yeah, that's very in true. the more dedicated ones um, best example I can give is that Mario 35 one uh Mario 35 they announced like a whole load of projects and it was like 3D World and 3D All-Stars yeah. and that Mario 35 and All-Stars and uh, Super Nintendo Online etc etc and all of those in- announcements individually they're not like v- amazingly hype inducing but because they all came at once it was like oh my god look at all this shit we're getting with Mario oh my god it's crazy even though as I said, individually, nothing there was too surprising or out there. I mean, yeah, like I said, it certainly works when you're focusing on one specific product or a, like mm-hmm. a series of products under one particular series. Um, for me, what really showed me it worked was the Animal Crossing New Horizons direct back in, was it February <laughs> or March last year? Uh, I think it was like late February last year. That is yeah. like that single direct because I was so starved for Nintendo information. I ended up watching that, and it basically sold me on getting uh, New Horizons. Animal Crossing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's fair enough, and like that is literally the purpose of them. Yeah. So because it's it's quite literally that they they so they fulfill their purpose by getting you to do that and making you watch it, and then saying, okay, I'll I'll give in and buy it. Mm. Um, little do they know what was to come when it came to that. Mm. But. Um, with with the like return of this format of direct it's actually i forgot how much hype they get beforehand because with the mario direct you know exactly what you're getting you're like oh yeah i'll probably get like a 3d all-stars we'll probably get this and that and this and that whereas this this is like we have no idea what's going to happen going in we don't know what's going to expect especially um, games-wise, because we knew we'd get like a Smash announcement mm-hmm. and a Smash reveal, because that's just generally how they go. But games-wise, we just we didn't know what was going to come up, and it was like you feel the excitement, even if 
it you you then remember afterwards that the excitement sometimes is a little bit unwarranted. I mean, like I was like, soon as like I found out about it, I was so hyped. It made a really difficult shift at work go so much easier, knowing that I had this look forward to. It was an amazing. It's kind of like Christmas because as a kid, cause you, it's like you don't know what you're gonna get, and you're just super excited. You don't for know it. what's under the tree. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. So yeah, it was kind of like created a sense of childlike wonder and like excitement for me, without a doubt. Absolutely. I'm I'm I was very happy to see it come back, honestly. And all of a sudden they just tweeted us like we've got a fifty minute direct for you fuckers tomorrow at ten o'clock and it's like, holy shit, where did that come from? Yeah, but, that's incredible. Yeah. Just having it dropped on you is always a nice surprise. So um let's get into the actual highlights of the direct. And I mean, you know, sorry if we miss something and we don't discuss something that you're personally interested in. It's just, you know, these are the things that stood out the most to us. So we're not going to mention, for example... um, Okay, right, so this is a bit of a defeated point in itself because by me mentioning that we're not going to mention it, I am in fact mentioning it, so that makes it mentionable. Um, Okay, there will be stuff that we missed. It was a 50-minute direct just to get ahead of ourselves on this one, so we're not going to be mentioning everything. But these are the things that stood out to us and the things that give us the best, like, talking points. So, first and foremost, the, the thing which is literally first and foremost in that entire thing, we got a new Smash character and her name is Pyra but her name is also Mithra and I don't know who she is because I didn't play any of these Xenoblade games but she looks pretty cool and and I'm just really glad that she doesn't have the same English accent as Shulk Yeah, I mean it was hell of an introduction for a Smash character because they mm. did not set it up in that way whatsoever you had like the main yeah. you had been the main protagonist of the latest game looking for one of mm-hmm. his companions and it turns out she's just disappeared because she's got an invitation to smash like that was such a yeah. crazy reveal like i did not see that coming whatsoever and i'm just glad it's, it's not the main character cuz that main character has an awful i couldn't get over his voice <laughs> i so I kind of knew. I was just as soon as I saw the bit at the bottom, which like doesn't include real game, not real gameplay footage. I was like, "This is a Smash trailer." Even though um, they then start showing Finn's bits from Xenoblade Two, I'm like, "I don't think this is a game because Xenoblade Two came out like three years ago, yeah. and I doubt they were going to do DLC for it, and they're not going to do a part two because I don't know how successful that game was." But, but yeah, man. I mean, that was interesting i'm i'm not surprised it was another nintendo character because the last one we got was sephiroth it's like they're doing one for us one for you kind of thing so for for every character that they release which is like super out there and hype inducing like sephiroth um they release somebody who is from one of their own series just so you know because like the purpose of the games are to build up hype for the individual characters games as well isn't it and i guess what they probably thought was, hey, we need to get more people buying Xenoblade 2. Let's mm. um, let's also include somebody from that game. And you know what? Fair enough. Um, I mean, it's, a, it's a good way to do it. Xenoblade. I mean, it's yeah, a good it's way a to really do good way to do it. And like self-marketing. But fair enough, because, you know, like Xenoblade only has the one character in it. Yeah. So it's fair enough. It's still one of Nintendo's first party properties. So it makes sense that they have another character from it. I mean, I just find it hilarious that they went over the main character Rex and chose one of the companion characters. And I just find that hilarious. <laughs> that happened with I mean, um, arms basi- as well. Yeah. Though, it's basically it? what they did with Min Min, isn't it? Min Min. Yeah, exactly. Cause they, I, I guess they were just like, we don't want to just do like another, um, sorry, like 
typical sword fighter main pro- anime protagonist kind of guy. Let's let's do something a bit a bit more interesting. And I, I feel like Pyromithra look really interesting, and the whole uh, changing form mechanic it harkens back a little bit to Zelda Sheik. Yeah. I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, down 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 B in brawl and down B in melee and whatever. So it'd be interesting yeah, to see how get, that plays out. You get a nice out. little like, two for one there, which is cool. Exactly, exactly, yeah. It's always a fun and interesting character mechanic when they can switch midway through and like their their battle moves change and stuff, which is what it looks like. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to give her a go, man. Like I'm about as excited for her as I was like um maybe Min Min. I'd, I'd say it's a fair comparison. Yeah. Min Min, I was like, it looks really interesting. I don't know the character, but I'm willing to, I, I, re- I want to play as her. And the same with, same with uh, Pyramifra, is that I'm like, I don't know the character, but I'm, I'm more than excited to play with her. And I guess what this also kind of confirms is that the next one's probably going to be third party. And this should ideally be like the Smash reveal to end all Smash reveals, if you think about it. Because I think it's the very last DLC fighter from this the Ultimate. Pass, yeah. Unless they do a season three, which I don't think they will, because I think Sakurai might want to like get some sleep. Yeah, poor Sakurai. <laughs> but, the man needs a break. I think they should probably like call it quits after season two. I mean, we're lucky to get so will. many DLC characters as it is. We really were, and I imagine it's something to do with the hype of um, DLC Pack 1. Yeah. Is that people were so insistent, like, please give us more characters, please give us this and X and Y and Z, that they were like, yeah, fuck it, we'll just do another pack. <laughs> we'll get we'll get more money out of people. We'll build up hype even more. Uh, I'm sure the pandemic will have an effect, and the fact that they're, that like they're not as good at working from home as we are, I'm sure they'll be like, okay, now we need to take some time because I feel like Sakurai himself did come out at some point in the middle of the year. It was during the Min Min Direct. He even said like the pandemic is affecting the workload yeah. and the way the the process is that they can get get stuff done. So I doubt they would incur a larger workload on themselves but what would make sense is if they did support smash ultimate for like the next two three years and like yeah if they don't start with a next character pack straight away give it a year and then start i think that would be a good way to like build up hype all over again for the game which would at that point be about four years old you know what i mean yeah not only that it'd be a good way to pace themselves also um, and like, yeah, like you exactly. said, it will cultivate a lot of it, a lot, a lot more excitement for the series as well. Um, Absolutely, and I think I really do hope Ultimate is like the last Smash for quite a while. You know what I mean? I don't feel like I'm, you can really top it anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, so it'll be good to very, see. It's very much a kind of once per platform we get a Smash, isn't it? So we probably mm-hmm. won't see another game for a while. Well. From what are we under, I mean, we're just basing this off rumors. But from what I understand, the next switch is more likely just going to be like an upgraded version of this one, right? Where yeah, it should, in this. theory, be able to play the same yeah. games. So hopefully, um, they'll be like, okay, cool. Well, we'll just have like a, a better performing ultimate or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you never know. I mean, like, let's be honest. The load times in ultimate are very noticeable, aren't they? I don't find them that bad. Um, I've found the, that they get worse the longer Ultimate has been out. So when it first came out, I found the load times, like, for example, the the time it takes to, like, start the very first FMV, the video of, like, all the fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, before, that used to load instantly, and now it does take a little bit of time, but I appreciate that kind of stuff gets affected by the um, additional software updates and stuff. Yeah, so, I mean, like, um, I've noticed it does take a little bit of time if I'm going into World of Light or going into any of the kind of, like, spirit kind of stuff. It does take a bit of time. Yeah. 
That's fair enough. And like, I think a higher performing switch would be a good way to get around a lot of that. I ju- I just think a better performing switch would be a great compromise for um, Nintendo because it's like you don't you're not taking any way any of the shine from Switch, but you're making the games just way more. Um, just, just be basically making it easier for them to run, essentially. <laughs> yeah, for, um, for some reason in the back of my mind, I kind of thought like this direct would be them showcasing the higher performance switch, and like that would have been cool. But also, if it still feels too soon, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. I know, I know. Logically, they should do it soon, but um, I don't know. I feel like they wouldn't be doing it in the pandemic yet, especially because the current switch is still selling like crazy yeah i don't know if they would sold out in like every everywhere and they've only just kind of released the light versions as well haven't they exactly and i don't know if the production means are still like whether they would be ready to get another skew of new consoles out if you know what i mean i don't think so i just think yeah i just think they just don't have the resources at the moment when it comes to production because of the pandemic um but yeah uh, I guess the next the next thing kind of stood out to me um, was the Capcom Arcade Stadium. So I actually downloaded this straight after the Direct. Okay. So Capcom have released a thing called an Arcade Stadium on the on the Switch, but I think it's also coming to other platforms. But basically, you um, you can play a bunch of their arcade games. I think it's like forty or fifty games. And uh, on the eShop, you can buy the packs of the games that you actually want to play. Um, So I haven't bought any games so far, but to begin with, you can play, I think it's 19-something, 1984? I don't know if the game's actually called 1942, yeah. (laughs) That game uh, is like um, a a shooter, um, and the other one is Ghost and Goblins, so... I, I downloaded both of them and yeah, giving it a bit of a go. You get to play it on like an an arcade screen. The obviously the pixel quality and the the quality is a lot better than like the console versions of those games. So I mean, that's what you get. It's quite getting it's quite really interesting. Decent ports. Um, I've kind of looked mm. it up. So apparently, there's basically a, thir- a total of thirty two games, and it's pretty yeah. much most things that Capcom released from nineteen eighty four to two thousand and one. But it's yeah in the arcades. But it's kind of strange how they've done it. That what they've done is, it's released as three separate packs, and each costs around fifteen fifteen dollars. I'm not sure how much it costs on the actual. It's eleven pounds on the shop in here in in the UK. That's so, not bad. Um, it's twenty five for all three, okay. or eleven pounds each. So you're paying about a six. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's twenty five. It might be twenty nine actually. I think if I worked it out the other day, if you buy each of the packs separately, mm. um, it's it's uh, thirty six pounds. Whereas if you buy like the the ultimate pack, which is all of them, mm. it's thirty pounds. So okay. yeah, you're you're saving about six pounds if you don't buy them all at once. But at the same time, I mean, like half of those games, are, it depends on what you really want out of it. You know, I mean. Out of out of the all of Capcom, Capcom obviously have a huge library of games, um, Ghosts and Goblins and and Street Fighter, and they're all on there. So it's worth giving a look if you like if you want some retro love. I mean, it's pretty sweet. You've got like you said, you've got a fantastic selection right there. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with with um, the actual quality of the games, as I just said, it's you're getting ports of the arcade games, not the the, the console equivalents. So like Street Fighter Two Turbo, for example, the the quality of the image is way nicer than like Street Fighter Two Turbo on Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. 
just because it's it's the one which is on the arcade machine. And like I was, when I was playing Ghost and Goblins, I've played um, I've played my fair share of like Ghost and Goblins on the NES and um, Super Ghouls and Ghosts on the SNES, and it's it's better looking than both of them as you'd expect, even though it's a game which is older. So yeah, it's it's as I said, it's worth a shot if it's something that appeals to you, especially retro games, or if you're just curious as to like. Um, some of Capcom's origins, you know, like Ghosts and Goblins in 1942, they're free, so it's worth a shot if you're if you're curious. So, what else have you looked at on the um, Nintendo Direct? What's next? Um, the next thing of note, which then came a little bit into the into the direct, was uh, Mario Golf. Um, I can't remember the, t- the subtitle of this one. So, but Ma- basically, it's Mario Golf Super Rush. Super Rush, yeah. great. So, this is the first console Mario Golf since the GameCube, um, which I think is pretty significant. Although there have been Mario Golfs in the 3DS and stuff, it's just that this is the first time they're actually releasing it on like their main console. Um, how do you feel about golf? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it looked beautiful. It looked quite interesting. Music looked pretty good. I mean, I do like the kind of the actual kind of multiplayer mode looks really fun I've got to say the whole point of like everyone tees off at the exact same time so you never have to wait for your turn mm. and you'll make a yeah. mad dash to your ball and try and get see who gets to the hole first I mean that sounds like, like quite an interesting concept to me um, it, it, it's the most interesting way I've seen that you can play golf by far oh, without a doubt yeah and I think that's going to be a great party game in itself really yeah, as you'd expect, these games are much better with with friends, you know. Um, I it's like it's funny because I'm a sports guy, but I'm not a Mario sports guy. Like I don't I don't love any of the Mario sports games because I just I don't really like I've never really played any of them that much. And the ones I have played, I'll, I'll give a few games, but then I I put down very quickly. I don't know if it's because I've mostly only ever been by myself. So you know these games, as I said, they're better enjoyed in multiplayer, but. I, I've never been too interested, especially in, like, golf, because I don't care that much about the actual sport golf, you know? I mean, like, <laughs> it's weird, because they... I say it's weird. I mean, it's quite interesting to see how much detail they've put into golf as well. So, like, they really put a lot of focus in, like, analysing the terrain, like, and, like, the <laughs> curves of the terrain and the wind direction. It puts a lot of emphasis on that, which is quite strange to see in from a mm. Mario, like, golf title. But it's also got a story mode, which is quite interesting, which you can, like, develop you and me and have them yeah, go through a yeah. story mode, which is quite cool. Dude, this harkens back to what we were saying last week. Um, this this is like with um, the, the Mario Golf games on the... Mario Tennis and Mario Golf were both made by Camelot on the Game Boy, on the Game Boy Color and Game Boy Advance. And uh, as I said, like, those games were RPGs. And this kind of harkens back to that. And I can't remember, are the Mario Golf games also made by Camelot? Yes. Because that would make a lot of sense. Yes, this is, yeah? this is made then, by Camelot as well. There you go. Then, yeah, then they're, they're, they're making a reference to their own game. I mean, <laughs> which is quite cool. It's cool. So the demo is available right now, but the game itself is out June 25th. Do you think you're going to go for it? Is it something you might look into? No, but I mean, <laughs> I totally <laughs> I guess I said, say that. I'm, I'm in the exact same boat. <laughs> I'm not as I said, I'm happy it's a thing for people who appreciate these games, but I I don't care about golf and I I don't really like Mario sports games to begin with, so probably not. Same same on um, both accounts. 
I mean, put it this way, right? Like, we're both reasonably big tennis people, aren't we? And yet, have you bought Mario Tennis Aces? I, I haven't. <laughs> I've never even thought, given it a second thought, to be honest. And, I mean, we actually play tennis, and yet we're not interested in those games. So golf never really had a chance, did it? No, not really. I mean, like, it's very much the same thing for the tennis, like you just said, and also, like, the Mario Strikers series. It's just not something that really appeals to us, is it? No, not particularly. And, I don't know, maybe we're just not Mario sports people. I'm, As I said, I'm a sports guy, but not, like, a Mario sports guy. I mean, Although I do enjoy seeing um, the, the Mario and the Mario and Sonic Olympic games I do enjoy seeing the boxing events for some reason like you, you go you do boxing and it's just like Birdo beating the shit out of Daisy and just like punching her in the face and stuff and I find that weirdly enjoyable I mean that sounds really weird and I'm totally just gonna like watch that on YouTube later on <laughs> it's uh, you know what I mean like seeing them physically punch each other is genuinely quite funny I mean that sounds like a spectacle in itself uh, yeah like I said, I'm definitely going to check that out later <laughs> um, so moving on to the next uh, next thing that stuck out to me um, Stubbs the Zombie is back for some reason so I had to like expl- I, I made a weird thing about this where I was saying to you I was like dude Stubbs the Zombie is back and you're just like what is this and why do you care but basically um Stubbs the Zombie was like a, a title on the Xbox back in the mid-2000s and I don't think it did very well which is why it caught me by surprise a fair bit because it was like where the fuck did this come from but yeah Stubbs the Zombie is back you play as a zombie in like the 1930s and um, you're basically going around and helping your like horde of zombie army to go and take over cities and, and it's like the government fighting back against you with tanks and shit and you're having to use all these creative ways to uh, not just kill them all but like also go around eating brains I mean as a concept it looks quite interesting it's cool to play on the other side of that fence isn't it I mean um, it really is but it's it's also not only just being released on Switch it's being released on pretty much every other platform available so I was actually looking to this the other day after the thing because I was so curious. So apparently, Aspire Media, the people who made it, um, they were bought over by a new company, and it was that new company who are like trying to reignite all of their IPs, basically. So what I imagine they're doing is saying, "Hey, let's hope this gets a little bit of traction because we have this sitting in the um, in the background." Um, but then they did say it's like because it wasn't amazingly successful in the Xbox it's only getting a port as opposed to like a remake yeah. which makes sense yeah. which makes which makes sense I mean but no um, man like I, I would I've looked into it apparently it. it's got like a very painfully slow and forced tutorial <laughs> so you've got you've got that to look forward to if you kind of delve into it yeah absolutely I would I would recommend it just for the soundtrack I think I mentioned to you the other day but the soundtracks like it's basically gothic takes on like 1930s songs but they're done really well and I, I think it's so cool that's, that <laughs> um, sounds really neat yeah, it's like there's um there's like a demonic demonic there's like a gothic take on Mr. Sandman, which is like the theme song of the game, and I love it. Like I actually love it. It's great. <laughs> that's a, that's a quite an interesting. Uh, that's a quite an interesting uh, theme to play on actually. Um, it's coming out it's really March sixteenth, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's um, March 16th. I think I'll probably get it just for the sake of curiosity. To be honest with you, but what platform and, you know, are you going to go for? Uh, Switch, probably. Switch. I mean, look, it's a PS. It's a it's a Xbox generation game, so I'm sure it'll run fine enough on the Switch. You know, I mean. <laughs> um, moving on to the next one, uh, there was a game called Neon White. Did you see that? 
Yes, but I have no memory of that whatsoever. So basically, Neon White was um, it was like a first-person game uh, where you're moving around really, really, really quickly, and it was super disorienting. The only notes I made about it is Neon White makes me feel sick. So, <laughs> so I mean, look, that's not a glowing recommendation, but I'm sure people who are into first-person games will probably be a little bit interested in that. Um, I, I was about to say, if you don't remember it, then there's not a lot we can really go into. Oh, I just yeah, thought shit. It's it was the super exterminating sickening. demons in heaven for some reason. In that's that's the plot. Yes, yes, it's the exterminating demons in heaven, and the camera's moving around super quickly, and you're just like shooting everything. And I was like, man, I feel sick. <laughs> yeah, as a concept, that sounds very strange, but uh, probably not something I'm going to be end up going for. To be honest, nah, probably not. I just don't not too into first person shooters. Uh, the next thing which stood out quite a fair bit for me, uh, the Ninja Gaiden trilogy is being is is coming to Switch, which is cool as hell. I think. Um, do, I, I mean, do, do you have any experience with the Ninja Gaiden series? So I remember playing a little bit, like back way back in the day. I just remember like they're mm. like notoriously hard games, but it's like a collection, isn't it? You've got um, Sigma, Sigma Two, and Gaiden Three. Yes. Yeah, the, the weird naming convention, yeah. convention where the for, for some reason the third game in the trilogy doesn't follow the same naming convention as the first two, and it's really strange. Because apparently, like they're Sigma good games. and Sigma Two are like remakes of the like originals, aren't they? I think. Uh, well, I mean, to be fair, remakes are um, as in remakes of the NES games. Is that what you mean? I or like, was think, it? Were I the, think so. Um, I'm not quite huh. sure to be honest. But yeah, either way, we're getting it on the Switch. <laughs> Uh, Dream yeah, 10, we're getting it on the Switch. Well, so Koei Tecmo and, and Nintendo have been like fostering a fair amount of a relationship recently, yeah, where uh, they're they're, they're doing a lot in the games of a Nintendo. For example, uh, Hyrule Warriors, mm-hmm. like the Dynasty, the Omega Force are a Koei Tecmo uh, company. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they have a pretty good working relationship. I'm not surprised by this at all. So. Yeah, no, fair enough, and I, I think it's worth a shot, you know? Ninja Gaiden, everybody loves a little bit of a ball uh, kick to the balls, you know? I mean, when is it, it, comes to, is it something you're going to go for? Maybe. No, it depends on the price, really, because I know what's going to happen is I'll get a little bit into it and be like, this is really difficult, and then end up giving up. So I don't know how likely I am to really push on with it, but, you know, it's, it's one of those. It's just It might be quite cool to have. Uh, how about yourself? Do you see yourself getting it? I mean, interesting concept. I think it would be quite fun to be a ninja, but um, I mm. think the difficulty might be off-putting. But if it if the visuals look cool, and if like the um, like death blows on all the kind of um, enemies are quite interesting, I might actually pick it up. I'll see how it goes. They're very stylish, I should yeah. say. Like they are very, very stylish, and also they have some dead or alive characters in it. You know, some of the women. So maybe that is like a past. Tree. <laughs> That's it's like a nice callback to some of our other jokes. Oh God. Because <laughs> because yet again, dead or alive, they're another Koei Tecmo. Um, it's it's made by Koei Tecmo as well. Oh, so yeah, it so is, isn't it? it's all in the same shared universe. Mm, um, what a weird universe that is. That's a very weird universe, it really is. Um, the next on the line, funnily enough, we're talking about another Omega Force game. Uh, well, yeah, Omega Force Nintendo. So, 
Age of Calamity has some DLC coming up and they literally, they just gave us a list of things to read, put it up for five seconds and then it was like, yeah, I didn't have enough time to read any of that. I mean, like, it was so weird because like you said, they put it up for like five seconds and you don't want to pause like the direct slide. Direct. You don't want to like, yeah. like get delayed information and then like it disappeared exactly. so quickly and so after the direct finished, I did have like a little sneak peek at it. Basically, we're getting mm. two waves of content under one pass yeah. and they come in June and November um, you mm-hmm. get some characters you get some weapons they've not disclosed what characters they are but most likely they are going to be Robbie and the other one which I forget Pora. Um, Pora but it doesn't seem to add to the story in any way which is the big kind of yeah what do you think yeah it's um I don't know. I felt a little bit burnt out by Age of Calamity by the end, so I'm not like desperate for DLC. But I knew this would happen. But I get, you know, it's just more characters to kind of grind, which yeah. is fair enough. I know a lot of people love that kind of gameplay mechanics and stuff. So it'll be interesting to see what they do actually end up coming out with. Whether it's like Robbie and Pura are a are a um, a team, mm-hmm. or whether because I I don't know how differently they would play from each other, considering they're basically like a male and female counterparts to each other. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what they can do. Um, you never know, they could throw some complete curveball at us and it might not actually be those two characters. Um, yeah, absolutely. But to be honest, um, the, my main takeaway of it was that it actually doesn't add anything to the story. But then again, what else can no. you really do with that story? Exactly, like, I feel like it was a reasonably rounded one. Yeah, So and it was what, satisfying. What do you have to add? Maybe, like... The DLC could expand on um, the robot's time in, like, the afterlife. <laughs> it's something. <laughs> That's something, yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm, as I said, I'm not 100% keen on, on DLC for AOC, but at the same time, I'm sure I might feel differently in, like, half a year. As I said, I'm just a little bit too burnt out by it. But, yeah. It's a thing. It's going to be about twenty pounds, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, about so. twenty pounds. It's not something I'm going to splash out immediately for. Uh, no. Maybe if I get suddenly inherit like a lot of money, I don't know. I go for <laughs> it. Well, so what's interesting, right? So with the with Age of Calamity, right? So you're what you're basically doing is just go and get this character, and then you're just going to use that character in old missions. I don't see much of an incentive to do that. No, you know what not. I mean? It, it's, it's touching on what you're saying. If there's no if there's no, like, story to it, I'm less incentivized to kind of play more of it. And I guess maybe we're just not super Dynasty Warriors people, if that makes sense. Because I think people who just love that type of game, Muso games, hmm. they're probably going to get this and be like, oh, awesome, more grinding. Whereas we're like, ah, oh, but there's no story, so what's the point? And it's like, maybe that's just not the right kind of game for us. Yeah, end of the day, we were 100% there just for the story. Um, if there is any other... Mm-hmm. Yeah, if there's anything else, we... It, wouldn't have been for us, would it? No, exactly. Um, but kind of moving into our next bit, uh, which I think is going to take up the rest of the fucking podcast. So we got cock tease with Breath of the Wild 2. Um, I, I call it a cock tease because Aizionuma stood there and everyone's like, oh, here it comes. And then he's like, I bet you were expecting for <laughs> us to talk about Breath of the Wild 2. And we're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And he goes, well, it's not today. His Skyward Sword. Do you, know what, do you know what that reminded me of? It reminded me of, like, getting... Completing a castle in Mario. And then Toad be like, uh-huh. Oh, the princess is in another <laughs> castle. And you're like, you're fucking... T-. Anyway, so, yeah. Um, no news 
No new news on Breath of the Wild, which was a shame. However, Eiji Onuma did say that we would be getting some news later on this year. As in when that happens, yeah. God knows. Mm, uh, God however, knows, yeah. what we are getting is Skyward Sword in HD. Um, and I must stress... I know maybe two weeks ago I said we're not going to get Skyward Sword in HD because I was like, yeah, they're not going to release Skyward Sword. I, in fact, I could play the clip back. Mm-hmm. But basically what I what I said was we're not going to get Skyward Sword because the controls are inherently built for the Wiimote and it would be a massive ball ache to transpose that into the Switch and actually assign them to buttons and uh, the, the Switch's Joy-Cons aren't as responsive as the... As the um, as the Wiimotes, basically. So how can you possibly get it done? So anyway, they got it done. Um, I they, mean, like, they're not just... They didn't just get it done. They assigned the control scheme to buttons. <laughs> like I said, they wouldn't. Yeah, so it's, so it's interesting. So from the actual Direct, they showcased the direction, the motion controls being used. So you can use the mm-hmm. um, shield in one hand as a Joy-Con and the sword in the other as the sword. The other Joy-Con yes. and the other for the sword. And to be fair, it seemed, from the videos, it seemed to work reasonably well, which was worryingly boring. Um, <laughs> but however, they have mapped also the sword to the left Joy-Con, I believe. No, white Joy-Con. Yeah, white Joy-Con. Hmm. Um, so yeah, so you can play handheld mode, which is quite a nice touch. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's not what anyone was hoping for. I mean, <laughs> ten years later, here's this, here's in the same game that no one liked, really liked, but in HD. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's got so many. That game just has so many issues. Like, Fi is annoying as hell. You've got the Silent Realms, which were repetitive as hell. Also, um, like people complained about the linearity of the game. It's just so linear. It's and so restricting. So it didn't allow much like freedom. Outside the dungeons, yeah. but using the harp was annoying as fuck, and a lot of the races were for, like totally forgettable that they introduced. <laughs> I mean, you um, you have a fair amount to say about Skyward Sword. Yeah, like, we're gonna really piss off Skyward Sword fans. I've got, I've got another thing to say. I mean, like the like the boss fights <laughs> are like super repetitive. Like you you face Girohim like three times. You face the like, imprisoned like four times. I mean, like everyone hates those boss fights, don't they? The imprisoned ones. Yeah, I mean, like the game did lay the foundations for a lot of mechanics used in Wrath of the Wild, which which yeah, is like which is bar. great, but ugh. <laughs> I mean, like I, <laughs> so, I enjoyed the story. <laughs> so, from what I understand, with Skyward Sword, the main issue people had with it is just the pure repetitiveness of it all. Mm. So. It, it, Skyward Sword is the ultim, like one of the ultimate examples of our catchphrase, catchphrase of please make sure to please, yeah. where the game would have probably benefited if it was just streamlined a little bit. You didn't have to go to each area three times. Yeah. Because regardless of what part of that area you're going into, you're still going into the same aesthetics each and every time. It'd be like, instead of having um, like a fire temple, a water temple, blah, blah, blah. They, instead of that, they just had like the fire temple, which you go to three times, but you go to di- like different areas within the fire temple three times. It gets very repetitive. I mean, it's very um, much like that- they took Phantom Hourglass and saw the sea temple and was like, everyone hated that thing where you had to go to that temple multiple times. We should definitely do that again. <laughs> And, you know, I I think a part of Skyward Sword being re-released is like, a, we've already done the other one, so we may as well do this one, if you know what I mean. Because it is literally the last 3D Zelda 
to get a re-release or a remake rather. Yeah, but that's the thing. The other 3D games are quite well received or at least have like some <laughs> sort of cult following after their initial release. Yeah. Um, no one's gone back to Skyward Sword and go and went, oh, this is actually really good. <laughs> <laughs> so um I think I think the main question of the day then are you going to get this game? <laughs> I don't know. Um I'm 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 tempted to see what it's like with the um the uh, the the sword mapped to the Joy-Con to see what it's like. Mm. Um yeah. But it's being retailed for what 40 quid, 50 quid. I mean, is that really worth it for a game that's yes, it's in HD, but it's literally £10 more expensive than it was back in the day when it was on the Wii. I mean, ouch. <laughs> I, um, so, so I guess the argument is that with it being rebuilt, basically, from the ground up with a control scheme for, like, the controllers, that, you know, that's kind of, like, warranting the extra amount of effort money? I don't know, I man. mean, possibly. I, but, like, like I said, it's hard... Like, yes, the, you may have sorted the motion controls, but it's got so many other glaring issues that it's really hard to ignore also. That's true. I I'm curious enough that I think I will buy it. I'm just wary of it, if you know what I mean. Like I'm going into it knowing that I may not like this game, which isn't good. It's that's not a good thing. I don't like the idea of having prejudice against against a game because of a general reaction that people have. I like making the opinion and on then, my and own. Of, your um, own, of course, yeah. But um, yeah, it's w- just one that, bright side. We do get some very pretty Joy Cons. Oh my god, those Joy Cons are very nice. They're nearly, they're not they're not quite Monster Hunter World Pro controllers, but uh, Monster Hunter Rise Pro controllers. But they're very pretty. Yeah, and so like, it's really cool. I, so one looks like the Hardian Shield, and the other looks like kind of like the Master Sword theme, which is really Master sweet. Sword. Yeah, they, and they haven't been set for a release yet in England, um, but I'm sure maybe look into it getting it when it comes out, just for the sake of memorabilia. Um, I. I don't know. I think I will get this game because I haven't like I haven't had a reason to go back and play the Wii version. In fact, that Wii version I can't physically play because I don't own a Wiimote Plus anyway. So this would be the only way I can play the game. So I might just get it for the sake of um, finally giving it a go, being able to make my own opinions of it. Because you never know. Here's the thing: like when it comes to games which are generally badly received, you never know until you play it yourself. Oh, that's very and true. Yeah, I will have certain opinions about it going into it, but I'm sure I will also be able to have some fun with it. Like, it is ultimately a, a Zelda game. Yeah, um, I mean, like, please don't take our words, like, seriously. Just give it a go yourself. You never know. You might actually enjoy it. Absolutely, you know. You never know when it comes to video games. Everybody has their own experiences. So, yeah, I I, I think I'll give it a go, the- just for the sake of I can finally take it. Because it's one of the only ones I haven't played, um, Skyward Sword, because I just physically have never been able to. So... I guess it'll be like a bucket list. If, if all the Zelda games, playing all the Zelda games was like an item on my bucket list, then that would just add to that, right? <laughs> I mean, there's there's one thing I'd like to mention that you actually did mention to me when we were t- discussing this. Um, mm. So I, in, at no point during that direct where they were on the topic of Zelda and the remastering of uh, Scarlet Sword, at no point did they yeah. me- mention or reference the 35th anniversary that is very true. That's exactly. I did point to point that out because you were quite like down about the direct afterwards, and I was like, "Hey, I I think we will be getting something for thirty five because God, I hope so. they didn't one they didn't make they didn't make a thing about it in this direct. So surely that would mean that they we, they will be making a thing about it later. But also, my theory is 
they don't want to be releasing like the other the other more successful Zelda games um, and re- we release them because <laughs> it might cannibalise the sales of <laughs> Skyward Sword. Um, I'm, 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 I'm laughing because like, we were so wrong last week. <laughs> we were so wrong. Like, it's, it's hilarious because one of the first things I text you as soon as that was revealed, one of the first things was, I am going to have to do like a I, Zane was wrong segment on the, seg- on the podcast because clearly... I did not predict this one correctly. But hey, man, like, who would have predicted that they would go back and rework an entire control scheme for a game that nobody likes? Certainly not us. (laughs) I mean, Nintendo, Nintendo, come come make us eat our words, please. It just seems kind of stupid, if you know what I mean. It seems like a... uh, taking a chance on something which might not necessarily pay off because it's like the, all the effort that that took for you to go back and and rework the controls and stuff like let's, are you sure that was worth it let's be honest though <laughs> they practically did that with galaxy they did didn't they yeah but galaxy all they did was map the spin to a button they didn't really do anything with galaxy they just they mapped the spin to the um to the y button and that's kind of it. Yeah. And I think the camera to the right analog stick. But that's it. And the camera bit, you bit. I didn't know you could move the camera the first time I played through Galaxy because I never, like, I, I thought, well, there's no right analog stick. And it took me until maybe my second or third playthrough where I realized you can move the camera by pressing the, the D pad. Yeah, like, <laughs> Whereas, the, the um, fingers are barely ever stray that far on the Wii Remote. Absolutely. So, um,. Uh, yeah, I, the, I think Galaxy was a pretty easy port to be honest. Because well, yeah, as I said, all it had to do was just do the um, the the uh, map the spin. Whereas this is like building it from the ground up all over again because the whole game is built on motion controls. It seems like such an effort for a game which might not necessarily be worth it. But yet again, I could eat my words once more when it comes to June or whenever it is that is coming out, and I play it for myself and I'd be like, Amrik, what the fuck were you talking about? This game is a work of art. I mean, I'd like to think that I'd like to think that Ergionoma like listens to our podcast and he heard your words last week. It's like, guys, you need to sit down and get this shit done in a fucking week. That's hilarious. He'd be like, I need to prove his aim wrong, my enemy. <laughs> He's got like a picture of him in his office, which he cheaper with his daughter. My old nemesis, Zane. <laughs> It's like, hey, Mr. Onuma-san, like, I really respect your work. I think you're amazingly talented. He goes, yes. And I, I think you're a piece of shit, Zane. So. Just spits in your face. <laughs> he throws a dart at my actual face. <laughs> so this is what I've been practicing for this whole time. <laughs> anyway, so the next bit so. of um, stuff on the uh, direct class did you have? Well, I mean, I, I mean, I'm basically done because this is a lot, the final bit, which is uh, fucking Splatoon three, which I didn't realize it's been four years since Splatoon two. It makes sense that they're gonna make a second one. Um, so Splatoon two was actually a cross platform game, I think, yeah, on the on the Switch and Wii U. So it makes sense that there's Splatoon three. I mean, you know, it's such a heavy hitting franchise now. Uh, considering it's like one of the youngest ones that Nintendo have, but it's done so well, and it's like they're they're equivalent to like the multi mass multiplayer online shooters. It's like Nintendo have their own now, which is still weirdly kid friendly, mm-hmm. and yet it does so well. 
Um, I'm not surprised that there, there's a third game in the works, to be honest. How about you? How are you feeling about Splatoon? I mean, it's, you, are you, it's are never you gonna play it? something I've actually have... I've never actually given it a go myself. I mean, as a concept, yeah, it's no. extremely strange, and it's very Nintendo-fitting, I think. Um, but it's nice. They've showcased that, some, like, greater customization for your little characters, got some new weapons, mm. and they kind of showcased a new locale as well. So you've got that to look forward to in 2022. What um, what strikes me about Splatoon, right? So I think it would be a game that I would absolutely love if I had friends. You, you know what I mean? Because it's the kind of game... It's First of all, it's a multiplayer game, right? Yeah. Like, you get your enjoyment out of it by playing with your friends online <laughs> and, like, teaming up in squads and stuff. And it's a, it's a shooter, but it's not a first-person shooter. Like, it's all third-person. You get to play with motion controls. And, and it's very creative in terms of as a shooter you're not just going around like aiming for people head aiming for people's heads all the time like you do when you're playing call of duty you're actually uh covering the the floor and trying to cover as much of the and the thing yeah with games like splatoon is that they're just so multiplayer focused and it's it's like being a single player, I just don't think I'd be able to get the most out of it, even though it looks so much fun. Like when you're going around, you're splattering the whole area in paint, and that's the whole point, isn't it? It's like the people who have the most amount of paint, the people who wins. So it's very different to what you get in terms of other people's shooters, and I think it's a bit more up my street. It's just, yeah, without the without the multiplayer element, I just don't think I'd be able to make the most about it. What about you? I mean, like as a concept, like you said, it's just such a novel idea, and it looks, it look, it does look really fun. But like you said, it's just something that's really enjoyed as a group with other people. I mean, like yeah, you can play online, but I'll probably be nowhere as good as these like younger kids, and I'll probably just get my ass kicked, and I'll probably just like lose <laughs> a lot of its shine for me. Yeah, absolutely. I think games like this they benefit from having a community going in like how yeah. i talked about the mmos last week is that i'd be up for playing something like final fantasy 14 it's just you want to have the community going in so that they can help you find your feet yeah. because going in by yourself and trying to find friends like it's just seems a bit daunting you know mm. and no, it's really you know in real life in real life i can get away with doing stuff like that but in in a game world in a in an online capacity it's like you just really don't know what kind of people you're going to bump into so you don't really want to be making friends online yeah it's um, really difficult no it is uh, but yeah in terms of like other highlights from the Nintendo Nintendo Direct uh, what did you pick up on? so we've got Project Triangle which is very much in its early days but it's the um, game by Square Enix the kind of tactile mm. RPG um, that is a bravely um, sorry that is an Octopath uh, Octopath Traveler. It's the Final Fantasy Tactics to Octopath Traveler. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's got like their kind of HD two D style of like Octopath Traveler. It did look quite interesting. Yeah, are you are you familiar with tactics games? Um, I haven't played a lot, but I've seen a, f- a fair bit online. Yeah, I was never really too much into like tactical RPGs, but. I mean, I I love the style of Octopath Traveler. I really do. I think it's such a lovely looking game. So, to be honest, I mean, I, I might look into it later down the line. I've played. I I might see if I can like, get back into Final Fantasy Tactics. If I can enjoy that, then maybe I'll give it a go sometime. Um, how about you? Um, I'm not too sure. Um, to be honest, I think I might probably end up giving something like Octopath Traveler a go at some point. I'm not mm. sure if the Project Triangle will be something for me. No, that's fair enough, man. Not everybody can get into, like, 
things like tactical RPGs. Um, you also mentioned Noma Heroes Three finally got like a gameplay trailer, which I mean, it's been it a, some time coming. Interesting. I mean, like they've been talking about this for such a long time. So um, yeah, you've got Travis Touchdown going back down to his like um, old city after like mm-hmm. ten or so years, and he's basically fighting aliens, which is such a weird. <laughs> weird, weird concept comparing to the last few games, but um, one and two are also coming to the Switch at some point apparently. So they're already on Switch. Um, are they? Already, we, yeah, they came out on Switch in like uh, Nov- They came out on a Switch before the New Year. I'm pretty sure. Oh damn! I'm so behind. <laughs> yeah, um, the because the, the yeah one and two one and Desperate Struggle they came out before the New Year because I own both of them on the Switch. It's the reason why I'm so sure about it. <laughs> Have you actually played any of them on the Wii or even given the Switch once ago? No, no, no. I've been playing on a Switch instead of... Yeah. Um, I, I think I beat, like, the first three levels on the first game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I haven't touched it again for a while. But I, I'll get back into it in time for, in time for the third game. I, do you know what it is? I really want to, like... I like ramping up for games, if you know what yeah. I mean. I don't want to have too much of a break and then play the third game. So I'm excited to... to um, Get, get into like the first game because they're not long at all aren't they they're like 8 hours each so yeah, I'll probably true. be able to beat like one per week and then the third game comes out and then I can like actually get into it because they are tonally they are right up my street <laughs> I mean the artwork's quite interesting I do kind of like how they've stylized, stylized the kind of guts and gore aspects of it mm. it's tonally like the writing and the, the humour and stuff is right up my street like I love the the self-aware craziness of it all. So I, I would be up for doing like a No More Heroes marathon down the road in in preparation of this new one coming out. Um, are you going to get it? Um, I'm not too sure. I mean, I think I'll probably try and play through the first two games first because I know the mm-hmm. first one's been quite well received. I'm not sure how the second one fared. I have no idea. So it can be something we can... It's, it's also a case that I can't let you borrow my one because it's the digital download. <laughs> Um, only isn't it so well you you do have the Wii versions to be fair yeah I do have the Wii versions which I think I'll probably play but man motion controls <laughs> yeah that's true that is very true and um, I did enjoy what I played the first game though so I think playing this new one will be quite good um, what were the other things you picked up on so one thing I thought was really strange was seeing the Metopia trailer <laughs> I mean, like, dude, that game's like sixty pounds. Yeah, so like the yeah that as well, but like the RPG like stuff, it's just so so strange. You design your own characters. um, You have a little team which you can design. You can even like design like the the boss you basically fight against. It's such a strange Mm. concept, and a lot of it, a lot of it rides around the kind of theme of developing relationships with your characters to make yourselves more powerful and more formidable. I mean. Sounds like Persona. It's, it's it's very interesting as a concept, but it's probably not something that you would really want to spend sixty pounds on. Yeah, isn't it a re-release of a 3DS game too? Yeah, so it came back on 3DS like many years ago, but uh, might see if I can download it on the 3DS. <laughs> I think we'll... so I, I do oh, kind of uh, I do kind of enjoy the kind of like the whimsy aspects of it, so I might actually give it a look. That's fair enough. Um, I'm not 100% interested in this, to be honest with you. Um, just doesn't really seem like my kind of thing. Then again, that's how I felt about Animal Crossing when I first saw that kind of stuff. But 
I don't know. I, I'm more assured of myself when it comes to me, the me stuff than I am with um, with a lot of other stuff. What um, what other things did you see? So the final briefly default trailer was dropped. I'm not sure mm. if that's something you you must have seen, right? Yeah, um, I actually downloaded the final demo. So I I played a bit of the first demo when that came out, mm. um, and like I didn't get super into it but now that they've got the second final demo come out i might give that a go i think i will get it um you know it's a rpg by square the first game's supposed to be really really good um it's not it's not like a, a follow-on from the first game like it's not a sequel in that sense it's a sequel in the same way that final fantasy 2 is a sequel to final fantasy 1 in the sense that they're completely different games um it's just that they're in the same the you know it's just the the title basically Cool, cool, cool. Um, so another thing I actually did see, um, Hades is finally getting a physical release. I mean, like, we both knew it was coming, but it's nice to see that it's actually getting one, finally. So it's interesting. So it's getting a, a physical release in the sense of it's a box that you're going to get, but you still get, like, a download code inside of it. Yeah, I'm not sure why they've done that, but hey-ho. I think it's because it costs a fair amount of money to actually produce the cartridges, yeah. Um, especially Nintendo Switch cartridges, they're more expensive than like discs that oh, other yeah, systems are. use. So I'm not surprised like a indie indie team would only get um, a a a download code, but like a box for the novelty as well as as well as like some other stuff, don't you? Isn't it? You get like a poster or something inside. Yeah, of you get it? a poster. Ooh. I think you get like an artwork book as well, which is quite cool. Yeah, the art of Hades is really cool. So like. Um, I'd consider it to be honest. I mean, I don't. I I only ever heard really good things about Hades, so it'll be a good one to jump into at some point this year. Yeah, definitely. Um, mm. I think that pretty much wraps it up with the Nintendo Direct stuff. To be honest, um, I think that a lot of lot does. of the stuff I've seen online, like a lot of people were kind of generally complaining about the lack of Breath of the Wild, you know, Metroid, mm-hmm. no Shin Megami Tensei, <laughs> no Pokemon. But I think, like, what we've said at the beginning of the, this episode, like, we're probably going to get see these um, these franchises and these IPs get their totally own separate directs throughout the year. It links into what we were talking about the last couple of weeks with the anniversaries. Like, a lot of these franchises, is, they are having their anniversary this year. Exactly. So it would make sense. Like, Pokemon has never really been a part of, like, the main Nintendo Directs to begin with. Like, no, they've always really had hasn't. their own yeah. one be- because they're such a colossal brand yeah um metroid i'm just assuming it's the delay caused because of metroid prime 4 i'm just assuming we're not going to get metroid prime 4 for a while um uh, and yeah yeah i just i just i think the best we can hope for this year is a maybe trilogy on the switch but i just don't think we're going to get metroid prime 4 for a while um i mean like- i mean you know games take like three four years five years to develop and big games take sometimes longer metro prime 4 only restarted like two years ago so i doubt they're going to be anywhere close now (laughs) i mean i've I've, like i've been looking online of like reading various articles and looking at this direct Mm -hmm. the majority of people have viewed it quite negatively i mean Mm. i was looking on nintendo life and they did a poll of like seven thousand voters Around mm. 53% of these voters have said they are either expecting more after so much time or they just yeah. felt the direct itself was looking pretty bare. And but this is 
this is inherently the problem with this format of direct is what I said yeah. to you like at the beginning of the the episode is that this format of direct lets people's mind wander too much if you know what I mean yeah. when people don't know specifically what they're going to be watching they start to speculate a little bit they, they, their speculation sometimes becomes a little bit outside of reasonable expectation is the Definitely. best way to put it I th- but I think also coupled with the fact that it's been so much time people are expecting a bit more and as a result yeah. they kind of set themselves up for like an inevit- inevitable fail it was always going to be an inevitable fail when it comes to people's expectations I mean it wasn't a terrible direct at all I just think you know do you, do you know what? Thinking you're going to get Breath of the Wild 2 and getting Skyward Sword is a very fair way to sum up 2020 <laughs> and, yeah. like, this year in general. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, that's about right, you know? Maybe this year we did deserve a Skyward Sword and, like, <laughs> we we might not get Breath of the Wild 2 for quite a while. But you know what? The positive of that is that when it does come out it's going to be a super fucking polished game exactly uh, and yeah. and and exactly it'll be it'll be it just means that it'll be extra polished it's going to have more time in the oven to be even better mm. so you'd much rather they release a game which is like the best game that they could have released as oh, opposed yeah. to just getting it out there because people are so angsty for it yeah and you know release something that's a complete uh, final product that doesn't need any kind of patches and updates because it's just a mess Zelda ain't no cyberpunk. Yeah, yeah I, was like, I, was Nintendo, say, I was thinking, I wonder who we're talking about here. <laughs> Zelda is like Nintendo sets very high standards. So, when it, especially, you know, game quality aside, like whatever your opinions are on the game, in terms of the actual physical build of the game, in terms of how it runs, Nintendo have always set a very high standard in comparison to most other major publishers. And it's like you get like a a guaranteed um, a guarantee of quality, basically. Yeah, it, you very much. That's very much why you get on a lot of the games. You used to get the Nintendo official seal of approval. Seal of approval. <laughs> Is that still? A no, thing? I want to get one of those. I don't. I think I always thought it's just a thing that they put on like every Switch game or every one of the games that mm. is released on their platform. That's fine. I can't remember seeing it recently because I've been. I've, bought a bunch of old Pokemon games and I kind of see they're like the official Nintendo seal of proof on them which is quite neat to <laughs> see I want to I get one of the I want to get one of the like <laughs> one one day if I ever get married then like I'm at the wedding and I don't know if I'm, I'm going to go through with it and then you just come and you get one of those stickers and you just like plaster it on my wife's forehead it's, and I'm like oh it's the seal of approval <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe you were maybe you were the Monster Hunter Pro Controller I was looking for all along yeah, I'll get like a train of ambivalence, seal of approval, and just like stick it to a forehead. <laughs> and then when your first child is born, they'll stick it on his forehead as well. <laughs> and everybody dick would go off. It's like it's like the um, the the tattoo that the people in Mortal Kombat are born with. Only it's like me, mine, and your faces, and like both of us giving the thumbs up. Oh my god! If we could make that our logo, I would I would I would do anything for that to become our logo. Like that'd be a, a great logo. A train a train of ambivalent seal of approval and Dane doing the, the thumbs up I would love it and then like with a little tag blow good but must be shorter and add a cat <laughs> and add cats please make shorter but add cats um talking about cats uh I, I I've been sticking in to, to Super Mario 3D World um have you have you managed to give that a go yet I know you've been really busy so I've given it a fair go I've played 
bulk of Bowser's Fury and also um, the actual 3D world itself. Really enjoying okay. it so far, gotta say. It's, it's definitely worthy so, of a full review episode, I think. I was about to say, I want to get... So, I unfortunately, what happened is uh, I did pre-order it, but then for some reason, the day before my, my pre-order was meant to come out, like they cancelled it because of something to do with my card payments, even though I paid through PayPal, which usually means that it avoids any kind of issues when it comes to card payments. But um, I had to reorder it, and then it only came on Wednesday, which was... Yeah, well, you know, what can you do? I only I got a game two days late. But it's fine. Um, I want to get more stuck into it, and then we can do a review of it. Oh, definitely, definitely. I think it's going to be... I think we will definitely make for a good review, because so far it's been fantastic to play through. It's so good, isn't it? It is really, really good. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's the show, isn't it? That's that's pretty much where we're at. Yeah, that was, sorry, it wraps up nicely, because I want to go sleep, because I'm working tomorrow. <laughs> I was about to say I don't want to I don't want to hold you for too long and I need to have dinner. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you have a uh, we hope you had a good time with the Nintendo Direct stuff and that you know your Nintendo Directs were living up to the hype. Um, we we hope that we've changed your opinions when it comes to Skyward Sword and that if you thought it was good, we hope you now think it's bad. And if you thought it was bad, maybe now you're going to give it a second try. You know, we're, we're not here to play sides. We're just here for the purpose of chaos. Um, that's a good tagline, isn't it? Well, <laughs> I mean, keep, keep your chin up. Like, hopefully we'll get some good news for the game as we actually do want this year. You never know. It's We're, we're only in February, but by, by God, what a year it's been so far. Exactly, exactly. And we're going to get, as we said, we're probably going to get these yeah, platform-specific uh, directs in, in the next few months anyway. So, guys, there's a lot to look forward to, including more episodes of The Train of Ambivalence. We will be back next week, and we will be reviewing WandaVision. Uh, wait, if it if it concludes next week, I can't remember if it concludes next week or if it concludes the week after. Um, but nevertheless, we will be doing a WandaVision episode, so please do tune in for that because we have a lot to say on that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Yeah, thanks again for tuning in. Look forward to the next episode, and I hope to see you guys soon again. Bye. Take care.